we are activating your unique self-discovery one show at a time. The Orchard of Wisdom Self-Discovery Podcast are at your fingertips, just waiting to inspire and invite you in discovering just how awesome you really are and how to navigate through life in joy, enrichment, personal abundance, in mind, body, spirit, heart and soul. All the people we bring you are here to serve you on your journey of life. Do enjoy our next show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of selfdiscoverymedia.com. Forgetting where I am for a moment. My name is Sarah Troy, and I have Sari Imbraham here today to talk about finances, but not just financing, thinking like a bank. He's a founder of the financial asset protection and financial services firm that focuses on one sole concept, the bank on yourself concept. Very interesting one. Uh, Infinite banking is how he helps business owners, real estate investors grow more wealth over time. He helps owners and real estate investors grow safe and predictable wealth without worrying about market conditions. He also helps clients protect their assets from various risks like creditor risks. Part of the strategy that he uses is changing your mindset when it comes to money. His motto is to think like a bank, which is why he named his podcast Thinking Like a Bank. He's a financial specialist, private money lender, real estate investor, member of the Bank of Yourself organization, and he helps business owners and everyone else help grow their um, their own product, their own market uh, with a proper financial strategy. And he's helped people for a really long time. So let's actually look at how we can actually stabilize ourselves in our business and uh, really look at um, the market changes all the time. Business Mm -hmm. and banking practices change all the time. People are out there who are a solopreneur or an entrepreneur. They're busy trying to market their business. They're busy trying to serve their clients. But you know, now comes the financial thing. How do you manage and navigate that? It's a lot for people to take on because normally in a big corporation, they have people for this section, that section, and this section. If you're a solopreneur or a small company, um, and even if you are a small company, you're generally the one wearing most of the hats and then delegating. It's when it comes to the finances, it can be very, very confusing, can't it? Welcome to the show, Han. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So the confusion around how to navigate your finances in business, how much goes to growth or how much do you need to hold back or, you know, what should go on to marketing? Uh, Marketing changes from one moment to the next as well. So, you know, that is always a perpetual uh, investment. And it it can become very, very worrisome and time consuming for uh, small business Mm -hmm. owners because it's they need the money and they need to generate the money, but they want to concentrate on the gift that they are to their clients. Exactly. hundred percent true. Right. So like one of the hardest things is like, what do you do with the money you're earning? So like you might have a couple problems One, it's not enough and you're kind of confused on where it should go mm-hmm. or even a better problem. Like there's too much of it coming in, uh, which a lot of business owners do have that problem. And now where do you deploy that money? And I think that it comes down to like many different ways of of being able to allocate the funds. One way I like to, I use something called profit first. So it's just a way to like properly allocate funds. Like for example, a very basic way of profit first is like every dollar that comes in, like 50 cents goes to your operating expenses. Uh, I believe it's like 10% goes to profit. Um, A certain percentage goes to your owner's share. And then uh, the rest goes to taxes. So this way, as money's coming in, you have a specific target allocation for each dollar and where it goes. It's almost like a, do- a job that each mm-hmm. dollar has. And as you scale and you inc- increase your revenue, you start to modify your percentages. Like your taxes will probably go up as your income goes up. And then you're also your expenses probably will go up as your income goes in because it probably, it's probably going to cost you more money depending on what you do to take on more customers. So that's just kind of one of the things I like to do. I like to, I, I've learned over the last couple of years as an entrepreneur that it's really important to ha- kind of have like systems in place before those things already happen. So like, instead of being reactionary, like only doing things as they come, you're doing things on a proactive basis where it's like, if this happens, then we do this. So this, this helps mm. very much so when it comes to finances. 
when you're prepared, right? And you're not yeah. shocked and then you're not in panic. <laughs> it's kind of sad to think that out of every dollar, there's only 10% really that goes to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is kind of the reality, isn't it? Taxes will always take your soul before anything else. And that, and that you have to be able to look at putting money back in your business. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it's a, I'm growing too big, I need to employ people. Or I need to, um, you know, register into these automatic systems that are going to do things for me. But if you're not willing to put money back into your business, mm -hmm. then you A, can't keep up with the growth or you're not expecting growth altogether. Yeah, exactly. It can actually put you in a worse situation if your business is not growing. Even like large, for example, billion billion dollar companies are constantly researching and finding ways to grow because that's really the only direction they can go. And it's either they go up or they go down. There really is no such thing at any level in business, in my opinion, where you could just stay stagnant, where it's like, I like this lifestyle. I'm just going to keep earning, you know, $200,000 a year, whatever the case is. It doesn't business and life and like industries don't usually work that way. It's either what you're either going in one direction, either up or down. So obviously nobody wants to go down. So you're going to have to constantly find different ways to grow a lot of, per it's going to take a lot of personal development, like investing in yourself having a mentor, having coaches, being parts of masterminds, like learning a lot more about your industry and then also other parts of your industry. Like if you own, for example, a chain of coffee coffee stores, uh, maybe you could then become your own supplier of coffee where like you're becoming more vertically integrated now. You're taking on more of the role, insourcing more of the roles, hence leading to more profits and more revenue down the line. So you need to kind of do those things. And, and as you mentioned, of course, reinvest back into your business. Because I think that a lot of a lot of business owners, I see this a lot as a financial planner working with small business, especially small business owners. It's like it's a job for them, right? Like yes. they're showing up every day. They are the CEO, they're the CMO, CFO. You know, all types of C-suite hats are wearing. Um, but really, it's I think it's kind of the wrong approach to business. It should be that you your business is an investment vehicle that you could put money into and then get an ROI on that money. I think that is. That is the ultimate goal of a business is for, for it to be an investment vehicle where you can add money into it and that money turns into more money over time. If your business isn't structured that way, then you probably have a very high paying job that you own. But really a true business is something where you can add money into it and it can compound and grow and have a compounding effect. A business that uh, can be duplicated. I mean, this mm -hmm. is something that, uh, you know, COVID did to a great deal of businesses. There was a massive amount of coaches that were one-on-one -on -one or small groups or just serving people pretty particularly in their in their community and then you know COVID forced them to think out of the box and go online and pivot and create yeah. courses now they're actually working with people around the world and um, so it's expanded their business quite considerably but in doing that uh, then you need to bring on more people that are maybe more savvy with the internet or program setting up or whatever the case is and uh and you're going to be marketing differently because mm -hmm. you're not marketing to your local anymore. You're marketing to a vast community, global community. Um, you're obviously still serving a niche, mm -hmm. but that niche has suddenly grown. So what do you need to do to serve that niche that now has different faces? So there's always that um, growth factor that we've got to have in there. Uh, nobody can say, oh, I'm quite happy with that 200,000 <laughs> uh, a year because that 200,000 a year last year is probably only worth 150,000 this year with taxes, yeah. with expenses, with everything else going up. Yeah, you're so I didn't even consider inflation. Yeah, you're so yeah. right. That is that's true. Yeah, the, like even if you're making the same amount of money as last year, technically it's less because of because of inflation. Um, and, and you mentioned a good point, like about like, for example, if you're a one-on-one -on -one coach and then now you have to pivot into courses, now you have to take on new, I guess you have to learn new things. Like, like you mentioned programs and IT and digital marketing and uh, creating content. And I think, the, but the result is that you stay in business because now you can essentially have software make money for you. If, if, if the, if your website could sell the course for you, if your if your digital marketing is automated, if you have other people working for you, now you can, you don't, you don't need to speak to a client just to make money. You have software technology and other people helping delegating to other people, helping you earn revenue, actually increasing your revenue. Um, I think that is definitely the trend that we're seeing after COVID. It's more of um, virtualizing things, repl replicating things. And those are really the businesses that are truly staying in businesses, our businesses that are replicatable, duplicatable, scalable businesses that could um, uh, help people internationally. 
yeah. Yes, I had somebody on yesterday who's um, a medical intuitive and, um, you know, she kind of started out helping people one-on-one and she still does do that, but she's grown so exponentially now with where she's serving thousands of people. Uh, but what she has done is kind of set up uh, several groups, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, where she's on live for question period every week. And that allows more people to come in, ask the questions, more people to receive the answers at the same time. So, you know, the, A, there is no box thinking. Um, and we, we really need to have that kind of fund in our budget mm -hmm. of wherever it needs to go fund. You know, suddenly you need to actually do pay for advertising on social media or you do need to bring someone in that can handle webinars or live prod per you know, production for you so you can just concentrate on what you're doing. Um, so it's, you know, there's always good to have that kind of wherever it needs to go fund because you never know what's going to come up and where that money needs to go now. Yeah. And then it brings me to my next point, right? Like, so like having your business and the business growing is really good. And then having the additional profits, the extra money coming in now, where does it go? Are you reinvesting your business? But then there's another layer on top of all of that. Like, I think there's a point where you've kind of reached not a cap, but a, a certain threshold that you've reached for reinvesting back in your business. And now I think that you should even consider investing into other businesses. This is where you are known as a limited partner. A lot of people know it as silent partner. Mm -hmm. This is, for example, where like if somebody needs to raise capital for a business, you are in essence uh, like an investor. You are a silent partner, a limited partner in that you're limited in the sense of the amount of money you can lose and you're limited in the control you have. Right. And as a business owner, you can free up more time by, I guess, like even if you look at, for example, like the show Shark Tank and these other similar shows, you notice that for these invest for these entrepreneurs, like the next step after entrepreneurship is investor. And that is the ultimate for a lot of business owners. That's the ultimate goal because it's the most lucrative, the most financially rewarding, and it is the least amount of work. Because what does an investor have to do? You, you just need the money, number one. And number two, you need to have the skills to evaluate deals, look at tax returns, look at bank statements, look at income statements, cash flow statements, and then make um, a recommendation, get legal and tax advice on that. And then that's it. Really, you could potentially earn dividends and bonuses and not bonuses, but dividends and shares of the company uh, and have that appreciate over time, earn um, essentially own another source of income from that. And then that is really, it's unlimited. Like they're really, you, you have a certain limit to amount of active, you, you have a certain amount of limit to the active hours you have. Like you have yes, your company, yeah. it's going to be limited, but really there is no limit to the amount of other mm -hmm. companies you can invest in. So I think that is what I would urge business business owners to go to. So after you've you have a business after that business is profitable, after you're reinvesting into your business, now let's look at investing into other businesses. And, you know, for a lot of people will say, you know, like, you know, I'm not that financial savvy. Well, that's okay, because that's where um, you can hire someone who is financial savvy, who knows which business to invest into. You know, you may look at the business and go, I really like what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I really am on board with their mission. Uh, but financially, where they're going and this and that, this is where you hire that financial person to say, it's viable. Yes, invest. And I will manage it for you. Yep. Uh, and, and then it becomes that, you, okay, this is doing well. I can now invest somewhere else. And your financial person will know whether, are you stretching yourself too far? Mm -hmm. Are you doing too much? The other thing, of course, is what we see a great deal of in, in my kind of business and in coaching business is affiliation. Yeah. And affiliation, if you don't want to be and you can't be that investor, is affiliating with other people. And then every time you make a referral, you know, you're making a buck, so mm -hmm. to speak. So it, there's always ways to expand out, you know, of, as you say, seeding, yeah. seeding many, many fields. And some fields will really grow really fast and some fields won't. So mm -hmm. never put out more than you're willing to, quote, quote, lose. Right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I I would recommend this. Yeah, like after your business is profitable, then invest in other businesses. So because you you're taking on more risk, right? When you're investing in these other businesses, like it, you you could potentially lose all the money. But for a lot of this, like we have our podcast is called Thinking Like a Bank, right? And then one of our principles of thinking like a bank is you're spreading risk, right? It's like if you would you rather invest a hundred thousand dollars in one business or ten thousand dollars in ten different businesses. Yeah. The answer would be 10 different businesses yeah. because statistically speaking, um, 
not all 10 are going to go under, especially if they're different industries, different markets, different places. I just don't, it's very highly unlikely that all 10 will go under. It's very likely that one could go under, but all 10. So you're thinking like a bank, right? You're spreading your yeah. risk. Plus, you one have your may business. go right stratosphere and yeah, another yeah, exactly. one may take a very long time to get there and one may not go there at all. But yeah. it's you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, true. So you want to definitely diversify, spread out the risk. Um, and then you also mentioned like if you don't know how to do something like you hire and I'm reading this book right here. If you could see it, who, not how it's an mm -hmm. amazing book. Um, it really talks about like instead of you thinking about like, how do I do something like how do I find businesses to invest or how do I become an investor or whatever? How do I grow my business? Ask who can help me get there? Like yes. who knows how to do this? Who's done it before? And then work with that person, whether it's a coach, a mentor, an employee, a potential partner, an investor. Uh, there's a lot of who's out there, as the book mentioned, a lot of who's out there that are looking to do exactly what you're doing or to mm -hmm. complement what you are doing. So um, it, it just talks about the emphasis of networking with other people and never really constrict yourself. Like just because you don't know how to read financial right. statements, that's it. You can't get to that next goal. Like there are, there are, there's help you can, you can get to an outsource to. Yes. You know, what we're seeing today is so many beautiful, uh, innovative ways of expanding our income because we've had to, you know, uh, inflation has hit everybody. Um, many businesses are, are suffering because we're now what we're seeing is, you know, I'm, I'm a baby boomer and we're seeing so many baby boomers leave the industry and there are uh, the people behind us didn't follow in the same industry. And what we're seeing over and over and over again is businesses closing uh, purely through shortage of staff. And so and I think also if you have a business where you rely on employing people, you've got to give those people an incentive to be there. And I think that, you know, um, my son has a restaurant and uh, every year he has a week where it is employees profit. Every profit that comes in for that week goes to the employees. And he, he gets the community to come in and spend more money and buy the frozen food and take home or buy gift certificates to generate more money that week because all of the profit goes to the share uh, to, to the people that work there and it's an incentive and I think we have to change the way we employ people as not employees that are just coming in to do their job but people that are a part of something where they feel proud to be a part of something a part of that growth uh, they want to invest their time in it because there's a return on it and I think that's the only way we're going to actually keep people in mm -hmm. industries where you need people yeah you're so right that it's such a, it's such, such a big problem with like restaurants and other industries of yeah. hiring people mm -hmm. because everybody everybody wants to number one make more money now after covid and then number two everybody wants to be self-employed i feel like everybody wants it's, to be their own business owner so if you so I, I like what your son is doing if you you know like he's giving back profits back to the employees a, number one increases their income and the number two it creates more retention like they have yes, something to yes. keep showing up for yeah it's probably better for them to stay working at the at your son's restaurant than it is for them to go out and start their own restaurant exactly so, yes <laughs> believe me <laughs> being a restaurant owner has many <laughs> headaches so you can leave the headache up to the owner but you can yeah. be a part of the family and the benefits yeah right? exactly yeah yeah. And I think that goes for every, you know, like in, in, in coaching, or, um, I'm a professional podcaster, but also a coach. Um, and, you know, in, in our industry, again, it's that referral that is something that can be that extra income. Um, you know, uh, joining other people that are doing innovations uh, where, you know, maybe you, you kind of cut a deal. Um, a percentage to bring my database in there's always mm -hmm. you've always got to kind of think differently mm -hmm. um and you said like so many people are going out there and working on their own what we're seeing is where you would have a company where somebody would employ the accountant the bookkeeper the this the that the the booking agent and all of that type of thing we're now seeing all of those people offer those services so they're working on their own uh, as a virtual assistant or as a bookkeeper or as a whatever, you know, in podcasting, a lot of people then go and do the podcasting for the people, you know, the rendering and uh, creating and all of that. Um, and so now if you are a solopreneur and you don't want to employ people, what you do is you hire the people with their expertise and you delegate the various jobs out to those companies. So instead of 
coming in under the one fold and only working under one roof. Now they have the diversification to work, work for many people. And, uh, and, but you have maybe six or seven people serving one company. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah, exactly. Because from, from both ways, it, it's beneficial. Like, for example, if you are the contractor, you are the accountant, it's easier for you instead of working for one company to to be like a fractional CFO or a fractional mm -hmm. accountant of many companies. Mm -hmm. And then vice versa for the account for the company itself. It's it's better for you to have some in some situations that outside accountant mm -hmm. or the outside contractor you can hire on like a one off basis for certain things and to have a full time in-house employee, yes. depending on what the situation is. But I do think that that's becoming more of like a trend now of like contract work and a lot of that's that's a that's a big reason why a lot of people are quitting their jobs yes, is because yes. like if you're for example like an it consultant you're sort of thinking like what i'm doing today i could just do for like 20 companies working remotely so yeah. you would quit start your own business mm -hmm. you can even potentially the, the company you quit from keep them as a contract sometimes yes. they prefer to keep you as a contractor than to, than an employee so that way it's kind of the best of both worlds yeah, because obviously for a big company, there's no longer the kind of the 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 pension and the medical and all of that yeah. type of thing that they've got to have with it. All right. You you as your own entrepreneur now, that's up to you to sort out your own pension and your own medical. Uh, and that's the downside of it. Right. But, you know, when you uh, take on to being your own business, you have to look at all of these things. As you said, you know, compartmentalize your dollar. But you've also got to compartmentalize the benefits of being on your own and the unbenefits of leaving a corporation that covered certain things for you. And it all has to be counted in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you know, like business owners, you don't have usually like in both senses as a business owner, you don't have your own pension or even a 401k or some sort of retirement plan. So you have to create your own. Yeah. And then companies yeah. also don't really have pensions anymore. I think from my understanding, and I see this a lot working with clients like doing financial analysis meetings, it's really only a, uh, like government jobs that, that have pensions yeah. and very little, very few corporations keep giving pensions because it costs them a lot of money to maintain those pension accounts so they decided to completely cut them out they've even they they even replace it with a 401k so in the states we have a 401k i think in in canada it's uh resps uh, i think it's something along those lines for a 401k in canada um so it's it's essentially the an employer plan employer sponsored retirement plan but it pushes the risk yeah. and the fees onto the employee which defeats the purpose of a pension because a pension was supposed to be paid for by your company. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're also adding your years of service. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Your years of service. And there's usually insurance back contracts inside of a pension. So what they do is they guarantee you like, all right, you know, when you are 65 years old, like no matter what happens in the economy, you'll have $3 million in that account. And then you can start taking out like $5,000 a month with a three or 4% increase every single year until you die. So like, it's like a, a lot more guarantees. Those types of accounts really no longer exist, exist except in the government setting. Uh, they've replaced those, replaced those with 401ks and 401ks are not guaranteed at all. Like there's market exposure. You're, you're investing typically in mutual funds inside of a 401k. And those mutual funds, of course, are exposed to the market. So like if markets go down, your 401k balance goes up. It, it's, it was very, I guess, not normal, but it, it's very likely that that could happen in 2008, like during the 2008, 2009 market crash. I mean, most people who had 401ks lost about half of their funds inside there because of what happened in the market. So that's just something to kind of think about, like when you are, when, you, when you're an employee at a company or a business owner, you need some sort of method or way of growing wealth. Uh, regardless of what happens in the economy and something that you own. So not just because like you work at a company, you have this amazing retirement plan and you leave and you no longer have this plan, but something you own and you control. Yes, that is very important. So this is the thing for a lot of people that are, you know, um, starting out a business and let's say take coaching because there's yeah. many, many people I do uh, interview are coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very gifted coaches. They're very gifted at what they do. But all of this other stuff, you know, is like, what? I've got to do what? 
in a, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what, what do you mean what percentage and it's this is where quite honestly when you are investing in opening up of your business you need to invest in that financial planner that can show you exactly where every dollar is going to go and where it needs to go and as you said with no guarantee of pension nowadays yeah. you've got to be your own pensioner where x yeah. amount of dollars every single month goes into whatever you can put it into if you find something that can generate money that can increase money not just the bank at zero percent but something that can actually make money on it and that is your pension it's not not a cushy fund or a rainy day fund it's your pension and you don't touch it until the day you close shop yes but it is overwhelming for people because you know they just want to go out there and do their good work and their work is desperately needed, especially in this time of conscious rising, where we are seeing people become more ethical and more um, um, authentic. And people are so tired of fake news and flash this and illusional that, you know, people want real. Give me the call. Give me the real. They want to know when they're doing business with someone. I don't care how many hats you wear. I want to know you're the same ethical person under each hat. And so there's so much pressure even in business today to present yourself because you are your business. Uh, and there's so much competition with the work that this whole financial side and, you know, planning for your growth and planning for your retirement and planning for the expansion, planning for this and that can be extremely overwhelming. You know, what would you suggest people do when they're thinking of starting a business and understanding where the money needs to go? Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a, it's a really good question, really good observation. Um, like, like if your role, for example, is you're a life coach, you are a business coach, you're really involved in like the person to person coaching. Um, you probably haven't, you you probably don't want to deal with like the whole percentage things of, yeah. of your business, the financial part of it. So I'd recommend a couple of things. I'd recommend working with a really good accountant who also has. Um, like a, a financial coaching aspect to their business, and I and I and I think that includes that, tax. Yeah, includes tax. As yeah, well, yes. Yeah, and you kind of want both. Either you want both connected together, or or from from one person, or from two people that will connect with you on on those both those matters, because people might assume like an accountant that's all they that's what they do as well, and that's not true actually. So a lot of accountants really focus on particular areas of business. And I would say like from my experience working with a lot of accountants, it's really just tax filing, like mm. personal income taxes, business income taxes, filing the quarterly and annual documents and things like that. So that they're really in this zone where it's what's the problem? What needs to be addressed? How much money do you owe? How can we solve those problems? And 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 times, you know, a thousand clients. So mm. when you go to an accountant and you try recommending a new idea or like a new service, like can you provide for me like monthly forecasting and help me project numbers and help me. It's going to be outside their scope. They're probably going to recommend you don't need that or they'll tell you to go somewhere else because they're already busy with what they're doing. Yeah. It's very similar to like working with a lawyer. Like if that lawyer only does one type of particular area of the law and you want help with another area, they're probably not going to help you in that other area because they're not proficient in that other area. They're right. not going to take right. on that additional risk. So, but there are accountants who have kind of multi, I guess, agile practices where it's like, we'll do your taxes, we'll do your monthly forecasting projection, we'll even help you uh, uncover those numbers, like what you could potentially make based off of what you do. You want to kind of work with like a multi-level, multi-service um, accounting firm that where they could be like your CFO, like your fractional CFO. Yeah. Well, it's, think... it, it's kind of going back to what we were saying before. You may be accountant, you specialize in this. Yeah, but you have other contract accountants that yes. you work with. Uh, this person's really good on your forecasting. This is mm -hmm. really, really good on your tax side. This is really, really good on this and that. But they all work under one umbrella, and they, you know, again, they have their own little referral fee going back and forth to the clients that are referred. That is the best way of business, right? Yeah. Because. Because number one, these professionals now are increasing the revenue without increasing risk. So like now these, this accountant who would normally um, not be able to do a, a special area of taxes, they can outsource that to somebody else, get a referral fee for that. So now they're increasing the revenue. Yes. Plus they're they're able to help a client without taking on more risk. So because right. they're, they're not specialists in the area, but they're finding a specialist. And then number three, the client is getting the help they need. So it's like a win, win, win. Now the client doesn't have to go out and, you know, manually look for another 
person that can help in a different area. And then those two people are not really connecting or, you know, able to coordinate their care or their, their, their finances. So when you have those types of referrals, it's literally a win, win, win. Everybody wins. The original professional wins. The, uh, the second professional who is being referred and then the client also because they yeah. can get more services now under one umbrella. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's it, it's about the umbrella. And this is what we're seeing so much in many businesses, in coaching and this and that. You know, I have a specialty in this particular area. And once I'm finished with my client here, I can't take them to that next level. So, you know, I align with other people that now can take them to this level or maybe somebody can take them to that level. And but you have them under an umbrella. And the authenticity of that is that because you're under one umbrella, it makes people feel that they're dealing with one company. Yeah. Right. You know, and that there is a communication between each one of those people so that it's not just a handoff and it's blind and you've got, you know how you, you get put on hold and then somebody comes back, especially in chats. Yeah. Yeah. You've been having this long, stupid conversation and they've got six conversations going and suddenly they've gone off somewhere and somebody goes, can you tell me your problem? I've been here for an hour telling the problem. right? <laughs> and it, it's so frustrating. So by having people that are collaborating together, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's rather like an orchestra. Each yeah. person has their own instrumentalist and they're extremely good in it. They can work solo, but when they come together as an orchestra and work in harmony, they really are creating the symphony that resonates out with the clients. You're you're so right. I love that orchestra, right? Like things are flowing together, things mm-hmm. are coordinated. Because a lot of times, and I know this as a financial professional myself, a lot of things are connected. Like for example, um, like I'm working with the client, right? And we're trying to do a couple of different things. Like he's doing some things with his real estate properties where with depreciation. So that's completely outside of my scope. So I had to find an engineering company to help with that aspect. And then there's a tax law and tax part to it, which again, is outside of my scope. So he has his accountant and they're also doing a third thing with like research and development tax credits that he's applying for with equipment and technology owned. That's a, that's another company. So it's, it's important that everybody's coordinated together Yes. All four of us are coordinated together because if if some if if he if one of them is not willing to coordinate with the other or doesn't understand the other person's role, then it kind of throws off everything because he's gonna get tax benefits from all those things, he's gonna get cost savings in all those areas, and then that money is gonna get reinvested into strategies we, we're gonna help with. So they all have to flow together. And for the client to have to do all that on his own and find find all these on his own, it's gonna just it's probably gonna make all those strategies unlikely to happen. So yeah. It's a big deal too. Like you have the strategies at play, right? Like you have the ways of reducing your taxes, mm-hmm. of increasing your income, increasing your the value of your business. But now, is it possible for you to get those things done? And this is a lot of this is where a lot of people like uh, like uh, overlook this part right here. Like, yeah, it's possible. You know that, but is it is it going to happen? Are you actually going to implement all those things? And we see a lot of times like, it doesn't get implemented because of the lack of coordination. It's like yes, a project. Yes. Like, you know, yes, the project yes. is possible, but is, it, is the project actually going to go through and is it actually going to be successful if you have the accountability from, from all different fra- factors? It's like building a house. You know, my, yeah. my daughter and her husband built a house. And, you know, what you what we used to see when people came in and built a house, you know, there'd be the framing, you know, the, the base, the framing, and then the this and the that. And everybody would come in in flow. Now everybody's, well, I specialize in roofing. I specialize in this. I specialize yeah. in that. And now you got to wait six weeks between. Yeah. Uh, you know, be, to get that roof on because they've taken on too many jobs. Yeah. And where a good contractor knows how to have everybody under this umbrella, plan ahead. We've got this house, we've got this house, we've got this house. This is the time strength that we have on each one of them. And we will allow one or two days here and there because things happen. But I want to see consistency. So if you are going to collaborate with other companies and contract out, you've got to make sure that you're not collaborating with someone that's already got so much on their plate that they really can't serve your client. The client goes to the bottom of the list. So if you are collaborating with people and, um, and, you know, forming this umbrella, make sure the people can deliver and, and keep that service in a nice, cohesive flow. 100% exactly. Definitely. You know, there's so many aspects to running a business. And, you know, I will admit straight up, financial side of it is la-la land. It's a different language to me <laughs> altogether. Uh, you know, I can interview people from anywhere in the world, but, you know, don't 
don't show me numbers. Um, because for me, I read hearts and souls, right? So I see possibilities. I know what can happen. But when it crunching the numbers, I am not there whatsoever. But, you know, we've also got to affect a, a stage in our lives where can I trust someone with this? You know, um, am I just another number to them? Or am I a client where they really want me to be under their umbrella and be a recurring client? Somebody that you can pick up the phone and say, I'm having this problem, uh, you know, and that they they know what's going on with you and they can, you know, connect. Not who are you? You know, it, we want that kind of service. We're so tired of just being treated like a number or mm -hmm. you're now 200th in line. You know, mm -hmm. we... And I think one of the good things for any of these umbrellas to do is have a customer service department. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Somebody and that it goes, connects all the hub. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of goes into the, the delegating part. Like when you are growing as a, a business owner, and I'll speak on from the from the standpoint of like coaches, right? Like you have, for example, um, you're taking on new clients as a coach. You're going to have to really figure out different ways of uh, delegating different parts. Like for example, if you are the person doing all your social media posts and the content, writing the content, and then doing like the intro calls with clients. And then also like if there's billing or payment forms, and then even more areas to that, if you're doing all those areas on your own, then you're going to be limited to like, let's just say like 10 meetings at 10 actual coaching meetings a week with clients because you're busy, busy doing everything else. But if you start to delegate those and hire, like you have somebody who just only, all they do is just do intro calls with clients. So they just screen calls. They do those free 15 minute calls where they make sure like you and the company are going to be a good fit. And then you have somebody that just does all the billing and pay, they coordinate with like the accounting department, they do like the, the whole payroll stuff. And then you have somebody that just all the content writing. Now you could spend like 40 hours with clients if you wanted to. Yes. Doing only one-on-one -on -one coaching meetings where you're potentially, I don't know, making let's just say 250 to $350 an hour per, per meeting. And then you're not wasting your time working on other things. You're, you're, you're actually creating an arbitrage where the amount of money it costs you to hire other people versus the amount of money you're making by hiring yeah. other people is going to be greater than if yeah. you did it on your own. So like you create this investment uh, concept within your business where like your business is now a money-making machine where it's it's worth it for you to outsource those things yeah. and then yeah. scale. And then you can even go beyond that where now instead of you working one-on-one -on -one with clients, you have other people on in your team working one-on-one -on -one with clients and you you would you know train them, sell them leads or however you want to structure mm -hmm. it. And then you're going on to write books and you know give mm -hmm. you know speeches at conferences and things like that. So your 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 time is becoming more and more valuable. Right. Now this is one warning I would definitely give. I've been in this business now for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And very often I will look at a person's site and then when I meet them it's like mm -mm. The, there is no gel between the site and who you are. And the other detriment thing of hiring someone who's going to do all your social media and interact with people, because what we say, if you want to do good business, you've got to interact. And this is not just about posting and flashing. People are sick of that. They want yeah. conversation in social medias. They want interaction. They want to know there's a human being at the end of there. And I have a lovely story on that on a woman who was having a wonderful conversation she fought with miss a and then one day she actually had the opportunity to meet miss a who was this big deal and she said oh i've left our conversations this and that and miss a looks and goes who the hell are you and it's because the assistant was having the conversation oh well <laughs> right now this is the thing you've got to be very careful if that you're hiring people to do postings and things for you that's all very well but at some point you actually have to put a certain amount of time aside a week where you are the person that is interacting with your clientele. After all, it's you you're, you're selling. And if you're misrepresenting yourself with somebody else's voice, it immediately builds distrust. So this is something, a big warning to people out there when they do start. I can hire someone to do this and that, but are they speaking in the same language, the same tone and the same frequency as you? Because if they're not and they suddenly meet you, they're offended. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like if, the, if online in their social media posts and comments and replying to your comments are all bubbly and enthusiastic and charismatic, and then you meet them in person at like a networking event and they're completely different, you're in your head, you're, you know, you're like you said, you're going to be offended. Yep. 
You betrayed. Um, you, <laughs> yeah, you feel betrayed. Yeah, exactly. It was. It didn't meet the same. Um, the, the, the same context wasn't met. You know, the same relationship wasn't met. So I think, yeah, definitely a hunch. I, I agree. I'd even look at it from that standpoint. I think you're right. If you are going to outsource those parts to, to have somebody else do the social media parts for you, like be cautious about that. Try to, I guess, I guess maybe you can have somebody write the posts for you. But when it comes to people replying, then you would be the one replying, saving exactly. time. Instead of you having to write the post and reply to the comments, you can have somebody else do one of those things for you. You've just got to understand, I don't care how big you get, trillions yeah. of books, speaking everywhere. Yeah. It, you know, what you're doing is you're separating yourself, you know. And one thing you've always got to remember, whoever you are in whatever business you are, is that you've got to get there amongst your people and communicate. Don't get so big that you out you know, outbid yourself and somebody else that you've been communicating with and instead you want the other people want to work with. And I think that is, you know, a, one of the big warnings about people who suddenly are doing exceptionally well and they start doing all of these things to implement, you know, everybody else doing their job. Uh, they lose the essence of what the what it was all about. And it's, um, you know, I was talking to a young woman the other day who was going into business school and I said to her, what's the difference between the janitor and the CEO? And she said, oh, the CEO is big, you know, runs the company. And I said, well, what does the janitor do? Well, cleans. And I said, now think about that. If you walk into a company and it's dirty, what is your impression of the CEO? <laughs> the, the janitor has set the stage for that first impression, but nobody notices the janitor. And all the spotlight is on the CEO. But we've got to pay attention to the people that are setting our stage and to make sure that when we walk on that stage, we're walking on as truly representing all of the people that have built that stage for us. That I never saw the way that's that's really true and it's a good point. There's a lot of aspects to running a business. Um, and again, you know, most of the people that um, I do interview will, you know, will be authors, will be um, mentors, will be coaches, uh, will be advisors, uh, many, many business advisors, etc. And you know, all say the same. It is all about outsourcing nowadays, umbrellaing. You will see many, many people in the same field, but doing things in a different way, umbrellaing together, sharing, you know, the the the, the resources, sharing, you know, all the the people they need to hire instead of it being one company you've got four companies under one umbrella there's so many ways that we need to do things today but i think one of the things is because we're so saturated um with so many services out there and we're trying to find that service that speaks to us that person that we feel hears us that can serve us that everybody's trying to kind of outdo each other with the advertising and with what they're offering and this and that. And, you know, I would say my caution is always this. Remember your authenticity. Remember who you are and why you're doing this, because that's what people are connecting with. And if you lose that why, you're going to lose the business. And the other thing is, before you step into business, your heart and soul is what you want to do. But are you prepared for it? You don't just move your furniture into a house that hasn't been built yet. You yeah. don't have the party before the roof goes on, yeah. right? So make sure that you are prepared and you know what is coming. And and again, that huge chunk of, I have no idea what's coming, but I'm prepared for it fund. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, I think there's a lot of uncertainties in business, so mm -hmm. it can kind of create, it can kind of cause people to like not know what's going to happen next. Um, but it's like you, you could still be prepared, right? You could still be prepared, prepared financially and mentally for the next steps. I think COVID taught us that the hard way. Mm -hmm. um, but like I, you can be prepared without knowing what's going to happen next. I, but I think there's another thing. There's preparation and there's rigidity. <laughs> Don't be rigid. You know, if you want to survive, you've got to be able to do the tango, you know? A couple of steps this way, a couple of steps that way. You've yep. got to be flexible because things change. And the businesses that survive are those that go with the flow. Yep. Exactly. Go. Yeah. You I think like you have to also be like up to date with 
uh, data and trends, yeah, like yeah. things that are changing. Like you need to be uh, aware with what's happening, like different, like, for example, like, is your, is your business heading more towards technology? Um, are customers, you know, are customers going directly to the companies? Are they working with distributors? Um, how successful is Amazon really doing? Like, is it, does it actually have a big um, impression on your e-commerce business or your e-commerce industry? Um, like for example, in my situation, financial planning is like how, how trendy is it or how popular is it to work with a financial planner uh, virtually remotely? And I think yeah. that in my situation, it's becoming more and more popular. And the same yeah. is true with life coaching, right? And business coaching, like working with virtual coaches. I've worked with probably five or six different coaches before, and only one of them was in person. And even that one that was in person, she told me that I think I was her only client mm. in person. <laughs> I was I was I used to just meet with her because it was a close distance to me. So, um, so I guess like knowing these trends and knowing where your business and industry are going are going to be really important. It's also the reason why like like companies like for example, um, you're in, you're in Canada, right? Yes. I don't know if you guys have Radio Shack in Canada or had I mean, it. We, yes, we. I don't know if it's called Radio Shack anymore. I think it's called Source now. Okay, we we used to have Radio Shack in the states. We no longer have it because. All those products now are online with Amazon yes. and yes. and you know all these other direct companies that sell directly online. Which is online a pain to... in the butt when you need something now and you've got to order it and wait several days. It's annoying. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a really good point of just knowing kind of like uh, following different trends and being up to date. Not really like waiting for something to happen for you to change. I think that's going to be too late. Uh, you also look at like companies like, for example, like Toys R Us. Um, they kind of went under for a while. I heard they were coming back, but it, it had to do with their online presence. Their online presence wasn't up to date, and they didn't have like methods of engaging with engaging with uh, with people. You mentioned that earlier, like businesses engagement. So like that's also really important to like figure out ways to stay connected. It could be very difficult to do when you're either. Um, too busy as an as an entrepreneur to stay connected and it could also be really difficult to do when you're not busy at all because you're too focused on making money and you might think that i'm not going to keep engaging with this client who's not paying me i need to engage with clients who are paying me so i guess both ways it can get frustrating but you have to kind of adjust for that and keep um have some system i guess habits habits are really not beyond yes. systems habits like things that you're doing without really even noticing them i think the habits are really what's going to keep your business growing and keep you in business mindset too yeah mindset. you know yeah. it's like you know you may have one client that is only dropping the penny at a time and you've got somebody yeah. else dropping the dollar but you know that penny adds up and then yeah. you know all of a sudden that penny will turn two dollars and so don't dismiss you may put them on pause on the back burner you know and just like drip 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 but all of a sudden they may come out of the gate so don't just yeah. chase the money that's there at hand make sure that you're also nurturing the seeds that are being planted and um, because everything's yeah. going to grow it in its own time yeah exactly it's like um it's too like i see this too with financial planning like i work with some clients who like just graduated from from college and they they have these financial strategies where they're doing like three hundred to five hundred dollars a month, and it, it's not much, right? But at the same time, like if I only just looked at the money only, yes, I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would only just talk to, for example, people who were like older than forty and fifty years old, people who are more established. But the problem is, is that the people who are still young, they still need the financial advice just yes, because they don't have a lot so, of money. So. <laughs> they, they need it, yeah. And plus, what's going to happen? Like if I'm working with somebody who's twenty four, twenty five years old. They're putting in three hundred to five hundred dollars a month. What's going to happen when they get promoted? When they start getting work bonuses? When they start their business? When they're starting to get large windfalls from their business? They want to get into real estate. I hope most likely I'm going to be the first person they call because I was there planting those seeds with them. So I was growing with them at the same time. And we yeah. want to stay with someone we feel is familiar and trust and knows yes. who we are. You know, yes, yes. it isn't just knowing. I mean, how can you help them with their financial plan if you don't know who they are and what their why is? What's their mission and their vision? Right. You need to know that in order to know how to help them. And if you've been there at the ground level. And then they start growing. They're going to go back to you and say, look where we're going. It becomes a we, yeah. not an I. And you want that, you know, relationships in business are essential because that's where the trust is. And if the trust is there, that's where the continual business is going to be. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and I think the trust and the liking part is even more important than um, like, so, like, for example, like if you had somebody who two people to pick from, right? Like one person, you knew them, you trusted them, you liked them. Um, and they're, let's just say a financial, financial, let's just say a coach, right? Um, and their skills were, I would say, like at a point where they were like five years into their career, they're really good. Um, and then versus somebody who you didn't know or really understand yet, but they had like 30 years of coaching. They had a PhD in psychology. They had much more credentials and designations and things like that. You probably still pick the person you trust over the person with yes, the higher yes. experience. The person you connect with. The person yeah, you you've had a relation with, yeah. with, with right? Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, because the high degree and the experience is probably irrelevant to you. You want to work with somebody who actually you know, is, is, sees, is you. In, sees you. Yes, exactly. Mm. And I think this is something that is essential. And especially I think the younger generation, I have three millennials and they want to do business with people. They feel a sees the same mission, you know, has the same mission or in you know, the same vision. Uh, but people who are, you know, that um, it's not just today, it's long-term, you know, this is the possibility today. But, you know, if we nurture it, if we if we feed it properly, you know, the possibilities of where it can be tomorrow. And you want to know that those people aren't flighty, mm -hmm. that they're going to be there for that tomorrow. Whatever, you know, time differences is between that beginning and that next stage. You mm -hmm. want someone to say, oh, my goodness, look how far you've come. Yes, we're ready now for that next level. And I think far more we're seeing now with the younger generation I want to have someone who sees me, who hears me, who's there for the long haul, and who doesn't just look at me as a dollar sign. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that, that is so true. Not just looking at you as a dollar sign, for sure. Absolutely. I think that's actually across the board nowadays. Everybody's got so sick of it. You know, we our consciousness is rising on so many levels. And and in the business shows I do, what I'm seeing is, you know, in, in the past, especially kind of 70s and 80s and, and 90s, we were looking at profit at the expense of people and planet. And now we're realizing we're raping and pillaging the planet's resources. And we're not respecting what this planet is giving us. But we're also not respecting the people. We're just chewing them up and spitting them out. <laughs> and so now people are realizing in companies, whether they have a company and employees or whether they are working with people who are, are independent under one umbrella, uh, it is about... When you invest in the people, a relationship, time, communication, trust, uh, and you, you respect the resources of the planet and how we're using this planet, profit will be there. It is a natural byproduct of investing in the people. Because when you invest in the people that you're working with, they're more eager to support you and see your success because it also becomes their success. And when a client is feeling successful because of your services, now they refer you to dozens of people and everybody is fruitfully benefiting from it. So our mindset on how we look at business, yes, we all need money. We need money to grow. We need money to live. And we, you know, we need that money. But I think if we look at how we're doing business, why we're doing business, what our services that will make the money and always keep the emphasis and the importance on what we're, why we're doing it and not look at just, I'm chasing money. Because I can guarantee you the amount of shows I've done of people who've chased money to be very unhappy. Money yeah. is not going to make you happy and it can't buy happiness. That's an inside out job. <laughs> yeah, it's a tool, really. It's a yes. tool that gets you to the next level, but it isn't, it isn't the level. Like, for example, if I wanted to like uh, like post a picture on my wall, right? And I needed a drill at the hardware store. You know, my goal isn't to buy a drill that day. My goal is mm -hmm. to hang up the picture. So like money is the same way. It's just a tool that gets you there. Like if, you know, to say that money is your end goal, I think it's kind of foolish to do that because that's like that saying that the, the tools at the local hardware shop are my goals. Mm -hmm. In reality, those, those are just the tools you need to get there. To say that you want financial freedom, mm -hmm. that you be able, that you want to spend more time with your family. Yeah that yeah. you want to automate your business, travel the world. I think those are going to be a good more quality of life, mm -hmm. good quality. Exactly. Cause now you're not just, I mean, you're, you're, you're using money to live. 
you're and not to enhance living. your life rather than replace yeah. your life yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly in other words then you're just living to to make money instead of the other way around like right. so and these things that they do cost money right like for example freedom is pretty expensive like for you to not have a job at all it's gonna it, it can cost you a lot of money to do that right because because not only are you missing out on your steady paycheck but also now you have to cover your own bills you have to also figure out a way to keep that money you're preserving your wealth so you could do so when you're an entrepreneur and you have different investments absolutely you could do so but until then um you'll need a, a plan a solid plan to get there and i've noticed that like if i say for example i want to talk to this client and my goal is to get money out of them versus i want to talk to this client to help them reach yeah. their next goal so that way they can tell people that i help them reach their next goals two completely different scenarios two um, different mindsets different mindsets exactly yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and you know this goes back to what i was saying about the ethical business mm -hmm. you know if you're just in it to you know make the money and flash the money you know then you're on a journey of self-discovery and you're looking on the outside instead of the mm -hmm. inside it's like ask you why why are you wanting to do what you're doing yeah mm -hmm. right and if it is to be of service to people to help people in their aspect of their journey of life you know to for other people to be successful because of your services, then you're, you're on the right frequency. And it's so rewarding, never mind the, the paycheck, but to see that you've advised somebody financially, and then they've struck that success, and they've struck that freedom, where they can afford their lifestyle, where they can afford those extras in life, and they are successful in their business, it's not only great as a paycheck for you, but it's so utterly rewarding to see those people succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. It makes it more, it makes your job more fulfilling because let's just say it was all about the money and you and you do get the money. Now what? Like, the fact that you're you were just chasing the money, it kind of dilutes the 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 ethical part of your business, the authenticity of your business. Um, like for I had one time um a, a client, like I also do like a lot of like um insurance related things within financial strategies. And I had a client, I helped him with his Medicare plan, and then he referred somebody to me. And then when I got on the phone with the referral, and I remember that day specifically, like I was struggling financially that day, and I was thinking about bills and like, mm. and I was like, you know, I'll just you know, to another client call. And then this call, this client was like, yeah, um, the, the client who referred me told me about you. And he said that you saved his life. Like you helped him with his insurance plan. Yes. And the insurance plan was so good. He had to go through like open heart surgery and didn't have to pay any money out of pocket. And you really helped him out a lot. And in my head, I was like, wow, that was all worth it. Like for, for me to hear that. That's the abundance. It. That's yeah. the abundance, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, people have got this thing in the head that the more dollars you have in your hand is the abundance. The enrichment of heart and soul and service is where the abundance is. Money, again, is just that tool to afford you to live your own life. That's mm -hmm. and afford you to grow. We've got to remember that money is that tool. It It is an instrument. You know, a, you're a violinist. The money is the violinist. How you play it and how enriching those sounds are from that violin is up to your heart and soul and your intent. It mm -hmm. isn't the vi the violin. It's just a piece of wooden strings. Exactly. Right? Yes. Until mm -hmm. you play it with that with that heart. And, and I think I, you know this is something I say all over again. I don't care what you're doing in life, but mm -hmm. if it comes from the heart. If it comes from a place that I want to be of service to people to help people have a better life through my services, then you're in the right mind and heart set. Mm -hmm. And whether you have ups and downs, I guarantee you, you will still be there at the end of the day because your heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what kind of services are you offering people? I know we, we talked in the in the bio there about real estate as well. And you were talking mm -hmm. about medical insurance and things like this. So kind of give us a list of the type of services you do do. Yeah, thank you for that. So uh, I kind of have, a, it's a company called Financial Asset Protection. So it's a financial services firm. And within that firm, we do a couple of things. We have a financial planning section where we do financial planning, financial counseling, budgeting, coaching, kind of any financial problems you're having, we can help you address them. We do also investments. Like if you wanted to invest uh, a sum of money or uh, periodically, we can help you find suitable investments for you. Uh, for at your best interest and then we also have like an insurance part we could do like insurance all types of different insurance like health insurance and uh, medicare um we work in all 50 u.s states and then we kind of integrate these and connect these plans together so it's not just one over the other it's kind of like 
connected. And then we also have referral partners with like accountants and, and lawyers because we, we don't do any legal advice or tax advice. Uh, we have that with other professionals we work with. And then they also work with in our strategy. So if you need help planning your next financial move or some sort of insurance strategy or risk management strategy, reach out to us. You can go to thinkinglikeabank.com and schedule an appointment there. And tell us about your podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's called Thinking Like a Bank. And we're launching episode, I believe, episode 92 tomorrow. And we talk about strategies like how to save more money, how to save on taxes, how to invest passively into businesses, specifically how to invest passively into real estate, the benefits of doing so, how to find more time. We also do a lot of mindset um, uh, coaching and, and uh, the mindset aspect of business. So we, I've interviewed a lot of life coaches on the podcast. We talk about different ways of unlocking like that inner that inner CEO of you, you know, from, you know, put the money on the side, put the taxes, the real estate strategies all down the side, but really focus on you as a human being and your next potential, like finding that DNA within you that like you're, you know, you are the next, you know, CEO that you're dreaming to be, but how do you bring that person out of you? It's not the spreadsheets or the income yes, statements yes. or the balance sheets. It's it's the way you feel about yourself. 80% of it, 80% of your success is how you, your opinion of yourself and nothing else. But the way you view yourself and how you view, how high you view yourself is your ability to reach your self, self-esteem and self-confidence. I 100% agree. Um when we see, you know, you mentioned this earlier, you know, whether somebody is, um, you know, got all the credentials and the, and the labels behind them or mm-hmm. somebody that has, a, you know, life experience uh, or, you know, has has learned X, Y and Z and the skills and the tools, but their intent from the heart and soul to serve you mm-hmm. is so enriching that you you know you you can't help but want to be with that person you want someone when you're working with them to feel you're a friend mm-hmm. right oh no just my lawyer just you know just my financial advisor no you want to know because uh, you are trusting somebody very intimately with your money right with every aspects of your money so you want to know you can look at this person in the eye and call them a friend yes absolutely it's, I think it's essential in business today that, you know, that we, that we look at that and that, and that trust factor there that, you know, you, you really do have, uh, you really do care about me and my success and it's in your hands and I trust you because there is this relationship between us where it's not just about business, it's about you care for my success. Exactly, hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at nowadays, isn't it? It's extremely important, I think, for us to actually understand we're in competition with trillions of other people. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, doing the same thing. You know, I started podcasting eleven years ago. Even when I first started podcasting, I was on a different network, and I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> you know, it was something I had to learn. And since then, everything my own network, I've had to learn a great deal. And I think that's something we also have to remember: times change. Certainly, marketing has changed, interaction has changed, and that we are selling ourselves before we're selling our services. So, the more authentic you are, and the more you reach out to the people, and the more that you share of yourself, the more people are going to feel, I resonate with this person, I want to do business with them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're you're so right. It's about selling yourself, not just the product or service you have, but you as a as a person. Because ultimately, especially in the professional business world, like coaching, insurance, financial planning, um, accounting, you know, being a lawyer, um, those are all personality based industries. It's based off of who you are. They don't really care about the software you're using or which office you have or the technology you're using or the name of your company or the mm-hmm. logo of it. All those things are irrelevant that, at that point. It's about the person and and really who they are and, and then them having your best interests in play. Um, do they really care about you as a person? I think that's that's all. That's what will win you the most business. Yes. yes. And the same goes for the people that you are going to contract out to or put mm-hmm. under your umbrella. You know, I want your business to succeed. It isn't just about me aligning with you mm-hmm. uh, on this. It's that I want to know I can refer you. 
to other people because I have a relationship with you. I trust you. I know that you are in the same as me of wanting to really serve your clientele. And when you have that team of people where they're all independents, you know, all yes. different instrumentalists, but they've come together as one orchestra, the music you can make can be absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic, right? And the support so for one another. That's the thing. That's, you know, we've... We became so very, me, myself, and I, and I don't give a damn about you. Yes. You know, yes. And now we're realizing that when we support one another in our collaborations, when we're behind each other, whether somebody's going through difficulty or whether they're going for celebration, we're there for one another. All we're doing is rooting deeper and making that tree trunk stronger and those branches more flexible. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so important. So the site again is, uh, again... Thinkinglikeabank.com. Right. And then you've got um, uh, uh, finance of, sorry. Finassetprotection.com is, is the name of the other website, but they connect together. So it's finassetprotection.com okay. or thinkinglikeabank.com. I just say thinkinglikeabank.com because I think more people remember that. So thinkinglikeabank.com is how, is how you can connect with me. And the podcast, where they can, where can they find that? Yeah, thinkinglikeabank.com. So you can find everything. Everything is all yeah, the my podcast, LinkedIn, YouTube channel, email address, calendar booking link. Everything is found at thinkinglikeabank.com. Excellent. And, you know, yeah, I know from many, many people, you know, including myself, you know, the money aspect of it, <laughs> it, it is completely uh -huh. something that is, as I said, it's a foreign language to me. I just don't uh -huh. get it. Um, it's not the way my mind is wired. And, uh, you know, part dyslectic too, so numbers change and move around. So, and, but for a lot of people, they have a passion and they have a gift and it's like, you want me to do a financial plan mm -hmm. and it's intimidating. So when they find that someone who says, yes, it's okay. I've got your hand. We're going to do it one step at a time. We're going to make it very easy. So you can see exactly where it's all compartmentalized and that it's an easy plan for you to follow. So you can concentrate on what you do best. Exactly. Yes. So true. And that's what we need. Someone who listens, someone who cares, mm -hmm. and someone who wants to be with us long term. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Yes. Very important. Thank you so much for sharing with us here today. Uh, yes, a lot to be learned. And uh, I know there's an awful lot of people branching out on their business and, and um, ill-prepared for what's to come, uh, putting money out all the time on advertising and not getting the return. Uh, not most certainly cushioning for the future mm -hmm. and the transitions or the expansion or even their pension uh, or their medical. You know, the, these are things that I'll get to it later. But the if you get to it at the ground floor and you know exactly where it is on your chart, then it just makes it so much easier to cope with as you grow. Exactly. Thank you, Sarah, for having me on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And to everyone else out there, please don't be intimidated if you want you to start your own business. But just as you do with the building blocks of a house, you've got to know the plan. You've got to know where everything goes and you've got to know where the best expenses are. So please reach out to someone like Zari who can help you lay out that plan so you can grow more confidently and without the intimidation of like, what do I do with the money? So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Find all of our shows on selfdiscoverymedia.com under podcasts or selfdiscoverymedia slash shows. And for all our current shows, go to What's New. We are supported by you, the audience. You'll see a nice big shiny blue button for one-time donations or follow us on Patreon and you will be able to support us there. We enjoy bringing you such wisdom. And the next show will be up in just a moment.